This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. Good evening, faithful listeners. This is the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And it's just Rachel and me in the studio tonight. It is. It's just the two of us. It's a little little cold and a little quiet. And there's, there's been a few bugs going around and uh, that's explaining Mark's absence tonight but we'll we'll make it we'll make it through without him I hope. Um unfortunately we didn't get enough uh time uh knowing that Mark would not be here to replace him with a stuffed fluffy animal of some kind so uh unfortunately it, it is just Claudine and myself. No stuffed animals. But we do have some peas for you tonight. The peas are Pentecost and politics. Uh, but we're going to start with our holy day of the week. And we've got our theme song again. So here it is for you. This week's Holy Day, which is this coming Sunday, is the Christian Festival of Pentecost. And this word literally means 50 days because it takes place 50 days after Easter. So this is, in fact, the end of the Easter season. It's been Easter for seven weeks. That is a very long time to be celebrating something. Well, I feel like it's a long time to Easter celebrate is, something. Easter is the biggest festival of the church, so it's kind of a big party. It's worth I know. That's surprising. I, I, it took me until my adult years to realise that Easter is actually bigger than Christmas. Um, yes. Yeah, but you can't, you can't have one without the other, though. That's true. So what's Pentecost? Pentecost in the Christian church celebrates the arrival of the Holy Spirit among the disciples. As we saw last week when we talked about ascension in the Acts of the Apostles, The resurrected Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples and was then lifted up into the clouds. The next chapter of Acts talks about the Holy Spirit appearing among a crowd of disciples in the form of a rushing wind and tongues of fire. Following this, the disciples who had come from different parts of the empire were able to speak in different languages but understood each other. And the Apostle Peter said that God had sent the Holy Spirit to them so that they could prophesy. And this is often described as the birthday of the church because it's the day that the power to teach and prophesy was given to Jesus' followers. Um, Pentecostalism describes a Christian movement that arose in the early 20th century that sought to bring new energy to the church. And it's Pentecostal because it emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christians This is also important for the Orthodox churches, but has been less significant for Catholic and mainline Protestant churches. 
Pentecostal churches emphasize practices that can be traced back to that first day in Pentecost, such as speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit. And I talked to Rachel a bit about this before because it's these practices haven't been part of my experience, but it, it is for a lot of Christians. Yeah, so uh, it's not something that my church growing up in uh, actively uh, did. So you didn't ever have to be... Uh, baptized in tongues, which uh, a lot of Pentecostal churches did. So I grew up in a charismatic Baptist church, uh, but it had lots of like Pentecostally themes to it. Um, but I do actually recall the first time I ever saw uh, someone speaking in tongues and someone actually uh, falling to the ground and shaking. And I was like, oh my goodness, is he okay? Is he okay? Like freaking out as a young teenager, I probably would have been. Um, so you hadn't pre-teen. heard about it. You had to know what was going on i'd heard of speaking in tongues uh you know going to all those big rally event type things they always say you know if you speak in tongues you can speak in tongues tonight this is an open place and you know talking their their voices that are talking to everybody out there um and so i'd heard of speaking in tongues but i'd never experienced um i i think i'd heard people like muttering in church and as a child, dad had, or mum had said, oh, that's just someone speaking in, speaking in tongues, but it wasn't really talked about or anything. Uh, and then, yeah, we had, we actually, it was during a time when we had visitors from a church in the USA uh, visiting us in which this person experienced these uh, spiritual overtakings. Is that a yeah, good word for it? Um, yeah, so he actually, he fell to the ground and he was like, almost convulsing and then he was laughing hysterically and people around him were talking quite loudly in language languages that weren't known it was yeah it was confronting because it wasn't something that I was used to but then you know once mum and dad explained that that's normal I was like oh cool that's fun it's actually interesting um the there's following the the story of Pentecost in in the bible um there's some people who are watching this happen and they say it's only the early morning so why are these people all drunk because it's yeah. that's really what um what it looked like to them is that what it sort of definitely well at that age i hadn't seen drunk people before but i i thought that maybe he was having a fit mm. so a similar thing um something that you would see like that that makes sense you try and make sense of it but it, it's something that doesn't make sense really i don't know yeah. So, um, as I said, Pentecost is, is a it's a feast that's celebrated by, um, or it's the story is celebrated by all churches, but it's something that's taken a bit more significant f- significance for for newer churches, uh, something that you know, perhaps they could teach and bring this new energy into into some of the other churches. Yeah. So we'll shortly hear a song that takes place on a Pentecostal morning. Joy, 94.9. You are on the Spirit Lounge on Joy, 94.9. And that was Brompton Oratory by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. We were having a bit of a chat about um, 
Pentecost. Pentecost, and that was a song based on Pentecost morning. On a, on a spiritual experience. A spiritual experience. It definitely sounded a bit spiritual, didn't it? Uh, but tonight, we're actually going to talk about that awful thing that everyone tells you not to talk about, and that is uh, politics uh, and religion. Yeah, so it's the two awful things. The, the two awful things uh, and sometimes joined together. So we know that there is a great history uh, of religion in politics and how and politics and religion and politics in religion as well definitely they they go hand in hand so we're going to explore a bit of that tonight uh, if you have any questions or if you have statements if you know stuff that we maybe don't know as well because we don't claim to know everything make sure you send us a message I'll remind you the number is 0427 joy 949 or email on air at joy.org.au um, but definitely get involved we we want to know your opinions as well so thanks to Mark for suggesting this topic and um, then getting unwell and not being able to talk about it. So. Oh, how dare you get unwell. <laughs> I mean, I think this could be interesting because I'm a very politically involved person and, and Rachel isn't. So, yes, I mean, that's in a way that's I think part of the question is why do people say don't talk about politics? Yes. Well, Claudine, I have a question for you straight off the bat. Why are you political? What makes politics important to you? I think... I actually, if you look at what politics actually means, it's, it's, I mean, there's various definitions, but it's things like the process of making decisions that apply to a group of people. So, um, or it, talking about power and how it's distributed among people, um, the role of governing, governing, um, governing over people, over communities. So in a way, at its very basic level, you can't, Nobody who no person who lives in society with other people is immune to politics. It's kind of it's part of what it is to be humans who interact with each each other. So there's politics right. of the big P, which is like government and stuff, and then there's you know small P like um, workplace politics and family politics. So even here at Joy, we've got politics because oh, we've absolutely. just gotten a new general manager. So does does that mean that's political? Not necessarily. No. It kind of depends on. Um, well, if there is, I don't. I don't know. But um, you know, there's there's a number of decisions that go into employing someone, and mm-hmm. and hopefully it is, it's all above board. But some you hear about it in other workplaces where um, where people have been employed because um, of relationships that they have with other people, and not necessarily because they yeah. meet the selection criteria. But it's, um, I guess, going back to why I'm involved. It's. Uh, for me, it's um, both politics and religion are about ways that people express their values and their ways that guide people's values as well. So it's a bit of a um, a circular thing that you some people get their values from politics or religion, and and for others, it's they've um, it becomes a way of expressing those values. Um, so I think you know, I there's a lot of stuff that the government does that I don't agree with. There's other stuff that they do that I agree with and wish that they did more. And so for me, being involved in politics means doing things that... um, Because the government's supposed to represent the people. Yes. It's um, being involved as a way of, of trying to... of making my opinions known to the people who represent me. There you go. Uh, my view is um, 
the government or, yeah, p- politicians cannot represent all people because people are so different. And I find it really difficult to uh, follow political parties uh, at all because there's things that are positives and negatives about all of them. I don't think there's any that perfectly fit where I would be happy to be in so I like to remain politically unaffiliated Um, it gives me other opportunities during election time to do things that I wouldn't be able to do if I was politically affiliated as well Um, and I just find it it's to me it goes in that too hard basket Mm -hmm. so yeah I think for me politics political parties are like churches or religious groups like no denomination or um, or religious group is perfectly right because I'm I'm not a purist in that way and there are people who do believe that their religion or their political party is completely perfect um, but I don't think that's very realistic and there's a lot of people who who are in a political party or who are in a church because they agree with the majority of what that organisation yep. believes and they want to try and change the other things from inside that's right and i think in terms of religion as well that's why i now also don't identify as religious uh in terms of any particular religion i accept uh all religions and i see the value in all religions i see good points and bad points in all of them and in spiritualities as well because you know there are you know everyone has their own spirituality that's that can be outside of or within their religion as well. Um, so I think for me, everything is just too broad and I don't want to be put into a box. I don't want to be in the in the too hard basket. I don't want to be in a basket. I just want to be uh, free. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if you look at the sort of origin of political parties, I think um, the original idea behind democracy was that the people in government represent the rest of the people and they and they would start forming into factions just because it's a it's a bit of a natural human thing to gravitate towards people who are similar to you or who have similar ideas it's, it's sort of what's comfortable and that's and that's what parties are they're groups of people who broadly share similar values and can work together um and it's it's interesting to compare the political system in somewhere like Australia, the US, or the UK, which is where we've got our systems from, which are very um, competitive. You've got generally two parties, two two big parties that are seen as fighting against each other, and the other smaller parties and the independents are people are always asking which which side are you on? Are you closer to this or that other party? Whereas in in Europe, um, in continental Europe, there's it's more common to have larger coalitions and alliances, so it's 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 still competitive, but there's also a sense that two parties with different ideas can actually work together. Whereas in Australia, <laughs> no, you talk about a hung parliament, and it, people say it's it's like a horror. Whereas I had a French friend who was saying on Facebook, just explain, you know, he's living in Australia, he's saying, just explain to me why Australians are afraid of a hung parliament because we do it in Europe all the time. I see we might even have to go into that further because I'm not even sure what exactly it means to have a hung parliament. Uh, But it looks like we've actually gotten a message through from Mark. 
What is what does Mark have to say? Well, he's saying he's monitoring and contributing from afar. So hello, Mark. Hi, um, Mark. Probably in, in your sick bed or wherever. And yes, arguably uh, another comment is arguably political parties and religions are trying to achieve the same thing: a better society. Um, yeah, I think I think ultimately that's the goal. Um, it's just that different parties and different religions have very different views on how to achieve yes. that. Joy ninety four point nine. And that was Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil, who have announced that they will be getting the band back together and start performing again next year. So that's great. Uh, great joy to Gen X's everywhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Beds Are Burning was yes. released in 1987. Doesn't that make me feel old? Oh, I wasn't uh, born you yet. You weren't even born today. Here we That's go. okay. Uh, but, Claudine, I know this, but do you know this? Why are they politically affiliated? Midnight Oil. Yeah. Why Why are we playing that on a political show? Well, um, we're playing... I've, I chose Beds Are Burning because it's an especially political... Um, has a political story. So it's, it's to do with uh, re- Indigenous reconciliation and land rights. And it was, in fact... Um, John Howard was heard to have said that Beds Are Burning was his favourite Midnight Oil song, when um, which was a bit ironic since he was uh, refusing to apologise to the Indigenous people throughout his prime ministership. So uh, Midnight All performed this song in the 2000 Olympics, all wearing shirts with the word sorry written across it. So that was a bit embarrassing for the prime minister at the time. Well, that in itself is a political exactly. Stand, isn't so it? it's um, <gasps> so it's a, it's a song which which took on an, another life when um, when the band was um, given this opportunity and this huge stage. Um, so why is Midnight All? Why did they stop in two thousand and two? Peter Garrett, the lead singer, the uh, the great bald one um, with the fabulous dance moves. The, yeah, the, I the even unique, know about that. The unique dance moves he. Joined the Labour Party and entered Parliament in 2004. And so he was in Parliament for, I think, 2004 to 2013. And he was, when Labour was in Parliament, was in government, Peter Garrett was at various times Minister for Arts and Education and the, and the Environment. So some of the big, big um, interests of his. Funny story about that. So... um in primary school, we had to do a school assignment on something that he was to do with, and I went home and was talking, you know, getting mum and dad's help, and mum was like, "Do you know who he is?" And I was like, uh, "Nope." And so she, I don't, I, it must have been Pulled whilst Google was around, uh, and was able. Uh, able to to Google him and uh, showed me who who this man was, and I didn't. It didn't make sense to me as to why a politician was singing and dancing, and <laughs> I never it never registered that he was doing that before he was a politician. But it makes sense now, right? Yeah, yeah. So that that was my introduction to uh, Midnight Oil and Peter Garrett. <laughs> Oh, right. oh well, you know when I when I he, they were the first band that I heard of in Australia because I was yeah in primary school when they released uh, Diesel and Dust. So that's showing my age. But um, and I mean Peter Garrett's an interesting person because he's at various times he's talked about his his faith and being um, he's been a member of the Uniting Church and the Anglican Church at different times. And there was actually an um, an interview I heard recently 
when when he released his memoir and because he was in government under Kevin Rudd who was also very vocal about being a kind of progressive Christian kind of prime minister and he was and Rudd was very upfront about his faith was often uh held press conferences outside church so um there was a discussion about whether you know, Kevin Rudd and Peter Garrett were kind of being in the same in the same government being in the same party also had similar religious views but um it appeared that that Peter Garrett was a bit more independent and and also more critical of of Kevin Rudd that um that you know, Rudd said, sort of said certain things but didn't maybe didn't didn't live up to to what he believed I still remember Kevin 07 that happening I wasn't old enough to vote, of course. Kevin 07 was on my birthday, so that was like a special birthday present to me. Ah, there you go. Um, so, uh, should religious people get involved in political debates and do they have a place on Q&A? That's a, that's a tough question. Well, Where do you start with that, Claudine? Well, that's, it's almost like, I mean, part of it is saying, well, can... Should anyone not be allowed to talk about politics? If politics affects everyone, then shouldn't everyone have a say? But I think when I'm when I think about questions like that, part of it is thinking it's it's one thing to be to be a kind of human who lives in the society and have views about it, and it's another to be in a position of of power. Where, whether say if you're the leader of a church, you can you have the potential to say that your church believes in a certain thing or that mm. members of that church should believe that thing and that's I think that's that's a crossing a line and um, I mean there have been many p- times in history where churches or other religious groups have have almost said that that members of the religion should vote a certain way or should follow a certain ideology and that's that's I think the the line that that shouldn't be crossed but just being a minister or being a, a religious person and having political views, are, I don't think there should be any anything against that. Um, my brain is like ticking all these things over at the same time because this is it is a topic that I'm I wouldn't say comfortable with because I don't have the education. But um, like, why why is it that people think that religion should not be involved in politics when it kind of has been since the beginning of time? Like, didn't did politics not really start because of no politics? <laughs> politics <laughs> politics started when people started living together in the same world. Um, okay, I think one of the the reason that people say that religion shouldn't be in politics is because there are so many examples of where it's gone wrong. Right. Um, so is so, is it detrimental for a, a person of political leadership, whether they're leading a party or, you know, whatever else, um, is it detrimental for them to come out as religious? Well, in Australia, clearly not, because um, all of the uh, – most of the members of the Liberal Party are very open about having a very conservative kind of religion. So that's, that's seen as um, – at but least then the, like... nowadays it's not – it's and in other countries as well, like the US, you couldn't imagine having an American president who was not Christian. Yes, 
But then there's the whole there are other parties as well, and like we we can't forget that there's not there's other parties other than Liberal and Labor, um, and there are parties who are specifically based around religion who give religion a really bad name, mm-hmm. especially being in politics. Yep. Like, how do we get how do we get around that sort of stuff? Like, how is it that that they can be viewed so negatively? Oh, like, obviously, I know because they have well, horrendous I think, policies. I think the group that we're thinking about. I think the problem is that their name uh, aims to represent, yes, say, all entire. Christians when they don't. Yes. Um, so you know, if if there's a party that's called the Australian Christians, that's not that's actually false advertising because they don't represent all of us. Right. But do you think then that then a party like that would so just say um, Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten who are in the running for being Prime Minister, right? So just say they both came out and said, oh, well, I'm a Christian too. Do you think that gives or if one well, they said do. they are and one said they aren't, do you think that parties like that give them then them a bad name and so people don't want to vote for them because their religion, although it's not that party, uh, am I making I think, sense? Yeah, <laughs> look, there's there's been there are certain there are people um, and things like groups like the Australian Christian Lobby will try and encourage people to vote on religious lines, um, and in in previous like okay, again when I was a kid in you know in the eighties. John, uh, not John, sorry, Bob Hawke. Bob Hawke was an agnostic. He he came out and said, I'm an agnostic, I don't know. And I think Gough Whitlam was also an agnostic. And so it was, in, in fact, in the 70s and 80s, it was easier to be an agnostic prime minister than a religious one. And so there's there's been this, um, more recently, this, this kind of going back to, I mean, it's not necessarily backwards or forwards, but it's... Um, Politics has become Australian politics has become more um, taken over by certain voices within the church, and that's alienated a lot of people who are not Christian, and also alienated a lot of Christians who don't agree with these policies. That was seventy-four-year-old Aretha Franklin at the Kennedy Center Awards to honor Carol King, singing "You You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman." May and that was the the performance that may um, brought a tear to the eyes of Barack and Michelle Obama. Aretha Franklin also sang at Barack Obama, Obama's inauguration, um, which was, of course, a really significant event uh, as the first black president of the United States. Uh, we did look up the the recording of Aretha Franklin singing "My Country, Tis of Thee." But she said in an interview that the weather was terrible, it was cold, and it was not good to her voice. So she wasn't actually happy with that recording. So we thought maybe we'll <laughs> spare her that. And if if you haven't seen the video that accompanies that song, it's well worth it. It's incredible. Like seeing her up on the stage um, and seeing the way that it's impacting the crowd, you kind of get more of the idea of how great she actually is. But just thinking, if if Aretha Franklin was seventy four, so she's she was in her lifetime, she's seen the United States go from this when segregation of black and white was still active to now that when you've got this this black president, and we were talk thinking about some some historical examples of 
different aspects of the relationship between religion and, and politics. And one that I thought thought of was uh, Martin Luther King Jr., who, of course, his name came from um, Martin Luther, the great reformer. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., who inspired the American civil rights movement, was a black, black uh, Baptist minister and black churches, you know, predominantly black churches, were instrumental in spreading his message and spreading the movement. And, in fact, another leader of the civil rights movement, Malcolm X, uh, actually became a Muslim. So there's, um, I think those are two you know, examples of people outside government who who are living out their values in both political and religious ways. Um, but some other examples that, that might be a bit illustrative of this um, tricky relationship between politics and religion, um, one that comes to mind for um, historians of the church is the Roman Emperor Constantine, who in the 4th century was the first emperor to convert to Christianity. So prior to this point, Christianity was a small and sometimes underground new religious movement. Constantine converted and he declared that Christians should not be persecuted. And in fact, he promoted the building of churches and monuments and helped facilitate major Christian meetings, such as the First Council of Nicaea, which uh, declared a lot of the doctrine that um, that the church still holds to today. So from Constantine's time, Christianity became tangled up with the Roman Empire. And this is seen by some critics of the church as well as some Christians as the beginning of compromise between church and state. So when people talk about the separation of church and state, sometimes they say, sometimes it's about getting religion out of politics, but you can equally say we need to get, um, we want to get government out of religion. We don't want government interfering in in how religion um, behaves. And that's got, that's got multiple, um, that works out in multiple ways. It may mean the, um, that government should, does government have a right to, you know, to prevent churches from discriminating against same-sex people? Or does government have the right to say you're not allowed to perform weddings of same-sex people because there are religions that have different views on marriage equality and um, and that can affect sort of how you how the, the religion relates to government. I, I have no comments to make on that. <laughs> Oh, I thought I'd sort of bring it back to bring it back to the you know, LGBT stuff. Yes, maybe. that's a good idea. Um, um, uh, we talked about the holiday today, but we should also note that today is today, in fact, is Israeli Independence Day, and so Mark sent us a few notes about uh, the state of Israel, which was uh, only formed in the um, the modern state of Israel was formed in the 20th century and established as a Jewish homeland. There's this, so there's a Jewish notion of the people of Israel, which is based in religion, and is, which you can find in the Hebrew scriptures, but it's evolved to a cultural concept. So all Jews, regardless of their practice or not, are able to return to the Jewish homeland. And I've heard of people who, who've gone from you know, America or Europe and, and migrated to, to Israel um, because they're Jews. And politically, Israel has parties that adhere to the various Jewish denominations, and this influences decision making. So that's now this is an example of a a state that was built um, for people of 
a particular of a particular religion and recognizes the different um, flavors or denominations within that religion. But it's still it's it's not only for Jews. There, I mean, there there are religious Jews, secular Jews, and people of other religions who live in Israel. But it's it's um, one of the more explicit examples where a particular religion dominates. Mm, it is. Yes. Um, I look. I think I've I've given my two cents on everything that Your I can. Politics out. Uh, yeah, I I just I'm not um, informed enough to be making comments on this. That's there's there's facts, and I don't have opinions based on those facts. Um, I do one thing I do find really interesting about U.S. politics versus Australian politics is the fact that there are people like Aretha Franklin and Beyonce and other um, powerful, influential celebrities who get behind politics. It's like it's a thing. People say to celebrities, who are you going to vote for? Like, uh, I also do a show on Monday mornings and I spent quite some time uh, talking about Donald Trump um, and and the people, the celebrities who are vocally against Donald Trump. There are a few who are for him, but but bigger name celebrities who are not for Donald Trump. Um, uh, And... um, who sings Working Nine to Five? What's her name? Dolly, Dolly Parton. Parton. Dolly Parton. Sorry, I had a mind blank. Uh, I can picture it in my head. Anyway, Dolly has come out speaking very highly of Hillary Clinton and um, said some hilariously not lovely things about uh, Mr. Trump. Um, and yeah, I just that's that's something that Australian Australian celebrities uh, in inverted commas uh, don't do is get behind political parties. I and, think I mean apart from say Peter Garrett. Well, yes, yeah. but but that is an exception. He became a politician. He wasn't, you know, singing at someone's um vote for me speech. No, but he was a very political person long before the Labor Party. Oh, so yeah. but and so he he would like show yeah. up at Labor Party functions. Uh, oh, there was a, there was a lot of um, wondering about whether he would join Labor, the Greens, Democrats, or something else. Okay. because he was always seen on that side. But um, right, but yeah, he's always been an so, activist, and I think there's yes, a difference okay. between yeah, but so he wasn't got like hooting for a partic- no. particular political party. So I think what happens in Australia is that people comment on issues more so than commenting for for parties. That you get you get um, like CDs and benefit concerts of people um, rallying behind the environment or refugees or same-sex marriage, but um, not necessarily joining up a, a, at a party. You are listening to The Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. Uh, we've come to the end of our political show for tonight. Um, thanks to Mark for contributing from afar, uh, but it's a big good night from Rachel. And good night from Claudine. And we've had some Australian and some US songs, so we'll finish off with a song by Billy Bragg, Waiting for the Great Leap Forwards. Rich is about mixing pop and politics and has my favourite ending line, The Revolution is Just a T-Shirt Away. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.